Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, thank you very much. I'm Ron Aaron. Delighted to have you on board WellMed Radio. Dr. Charles is a doctor of osteopathy, is with the WellMed Clinic at Ingram here in San Antonio, and we're going to jump in just a moment down to Kissimmee, Florida. We're at Oak Commons. Two primary care physicians are going to join us and talk about uh, the issue of elective surgery uh, in light of COVID-19. But but I have to apologize to Dr. Charles. Uh, when you said hello to them off air when we introduced ourselves, we, we are pronouncing your first name anglicized. Me? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Because that's not how you pronounce oh, Marissa. Well, I, I do go by Marisa most of I the like time. I like that. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we need to fix that. Well, sure. You were too polite not to correct us. Well, you know, growing up in Texas, I go my, I've go. i gone by both most of my life, so it's fine. All right. But my mom calls me Marisa. I'm sure she does. And when she's mad, what does she say? Um, no, mom doesn't get <laughs> mad. She's too polite. Well, let's introduce our, our two guests. Dr. Juan Rodriguez Rodriguez earned his medical degree from Universidad Central del Caribe, located in Puerto Rico, completed his internal medicine residency at San Juan VA Medical Center in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and is now with the WellMed Clinic at Oak Commons. And Dr. Alexis Silva Vega, MD, received his bachelor's degree in biology from the Inter-American University of Puerto Rico in San Germán, Puerto Rico. He then earned his medical degree from San Juan Bautista School of Medicine in Caguas, Puerto Rico. Dr. Silva Vega completed his residency at the University District Hospital of Puerto Rico in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Now, did you all know each other before you ended up at the WellMed Clinic? Uh, no. We don't. No. No. That's interesting. And you hooked up there and then got to know each other as part of the clinic staff. Correct. Now, talk to us a, a little bit because... Uh, here in San Antonio, uh, although we try to keep this show light and informative, informative there's nothing light uh, about what's happening with uh, COVID-19, uh, the coronavirus, and uh, how many folks in this community. We're setting a record every day uh, with diagnoses, positive tests, and yesterday had five people die uh, here in Bear County, which is the uh, county that includes San Antonio, Texas. The hospitals are overloaded. Uh, at Dr. Charles, they're converting space into ICUs? Right. They're, um, well, when the ICUs become overrun, then they have to often convert other areas of the hospital, like post-op units, and for example, into um, secondary ICUs to be able to hold all the patients that need that additional care. And that puts tremendous pressure on the hospital. It's a lot of strain, absolutely, especially with the volume of positive cases and the number of people that are ending up in the hospital with severe symptoms. And doctors, what's happening in Florida? Similar? I, I know the uh, the numbers of uh, diagnoses have gone up exponentially. Yeah, every day we are uh, setting um, like um, a record of positive cases, and yeah, we are having also um, ICUs are are really completely running out of ICU beds. So yeah, as being like it's like getting really complicated here too in Florida, in Central Florida. Now, intellectually, I can understand as a patient 
uh, the need to cut back on elective surgeries. But let's say I come to see you. Uh, I've been all prepped and ready and had the blood tests and x-rays, and I'm about to have a knee replacement surgery because my knee hurts. And you say to me, well, Ron, uh, you know, we're so full at the hospitals uh, with the, uh, uh, the virus taking up all the beds, we're going to have to postpone uh, that elective surgery. I climb the wall because I'm in such pain, right? How do you make it understandable to me that this is a good thing for me? Well, uh, uh, Ron and Maritza, this is Dr. Rodriguez. Rodriguez, um, uh, I think uh, 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 first is the definition of elective. We're trying to educate the patient that uh, what is an elective surgery uh, is something that 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 many times can 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 wait. I know you put a, one of the most common cases those knee replacement people with all of those pains uh but but having having uh that that uh talk with the patients uh trying to explain uh where 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 we were before and basically where we are now and seeing all of these cases at all i mean uh, is 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 a challenge uh for us as a primary care uh having to sit down with uh, with the patient many times as I mentioned many of these are are already uh the arrangements are has done but 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 the the response from the patient uh, that i've i've seen i don't know Dr. silva also is good i mean they understand uh what is happening uh, what is the process before the surgery, during the surgery and after the surgery, what is going to be necessary for to have a success uh, surgery uh, in many of those cases. Uh, I don't know, Dr. Silva, want to add something about that, but that's what we're uh, what we're looking and seeing at our clinic, and that's mm, the conversation that we're having with those patients. Yeah, I was trying to give you the version of the worst case, the, the, <laughs> the bad patients. True. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, it was uh, yeah. But it's very common that case that you mentioned. Um, But yeah, we have to make uh, educate the patient and and let them know that this is something critical. Um, And we try to postpone the surgery, uh, but at the end, you know, the patient will decide uh, if he wants to move forward or uh, postpone that surgery. Now, are there any other risks inherently just from the surgery or the procedure itself that you would um, see that you could discuss with patients um, to try to convince them to postpone the surgery? You mean other than being in the hospital filled with that deadly virus? You mean other than that, right? Other than that, yeah. What do you say? uh, We tell them um, the the procedure is going to you know the what, what's going to happen, what to expect, what the complications. Um, try to educate the patient, and well, at the end, the patient uh, make the decision. Uh, but we try to, you know, to do our best to try to postpone the surgery because um, running out of ICU beds, uh, more cases every day. So it's gonna, it, it's like like really bad situation right now. And, and, and Dr. Charles, adding to that is that uh, not only uh, during the surgery, I mean uh, the after surgery. I mean, uh, I mean, yes, we know that the cataracts and uh, there's very simple surgeries, but we also have those other surgeries that they will need post uh, the after surgery care. 
And uh, many patients, uh, we, we tell, hey, we're going to need uh, someone else to be at home getting those physical therapy. Uh, it's going to be difficult to keep that closed uh, uh, system that you have at home uh, after the surgery. And they really opened the eyes, like, wow, I didn't thought about that one. Uh, it's not only the, the, the before or the during, it's also the after surgery that is involved for those patients. I agree. Yeah, no, going, you are going to a rehab or skilled nursing facility also, yeah. Well, let me let folks know who may have just joined us what they're listening to. This is WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Marisa Charles. And we're talking down at Oak Commons in Kissimmee or Kissimmee or Kissimmee, whatever, <laughs> where my cousin Paul lives, talking to Dr. Juan <laughs> Rodriguez Rodriguez and Dr. Alexis Silva Vega about postponing elective surgeries. And one of the things, uh, Dr. Charles, and you two down in Florida, it seems to me that the vast majority of surgeries are elective. Are they not? I mean, it's a case-by-case basis. I mean, overall in overall, terms of what a hospital sees. I'm just, I'm guessing. There are obviously a lot of procedures and surgeries that could be considered elective. There are also other surgeries and procedures that are very important to be done in a timely fashion. For example, you know, if we're trying to uh, treat a cancer or, you know, reduce the risk of it metastasizing to other places, there are some surgeries that would not be considered elective. Kidney transplant. Right. Or, or say somebody has a a gallbladder stone that is uh, Mm. obstructing, you know, so there are definitely procedures and surgeries that are life-saving that need to be done. But again, many surgeries can be postponed. You know, orthopedic surgeries come to mind, not just knees, but shoulders. Um, of course, Dr. Um, Rodriguez Rodriguez and Dr. Silva were talking about cataract surgeries and other surgeries that may be lower risk, but that also increase your risk of exposure to other people, um, your risk under being under anesthesia and your inability to protect, you know, your own airway and having to be intubated also poses a risk for exposure to the virus. And so it doesn't, it's not without risk. And I completely agree about um, them saying, you know, all the other people that you have to be exposed to. So say you do have your knee replacement surgery, then you have to go through therapy afterwards and you're going to be exposed to several different therapists. So I completely agree with that statement. And and the concern there uh, would be exposure uh, to COVID-19. To COVID-19, absolutely. Because that's the, the biggest concern right now with the way that the virus is spreading and how overrun the hospitals are, and a lot of our patients are the ones that are at highest risk. Now, what about the freestanding outpatient clinics? They're like nail salons. There's one on every corner, it seems, in America. Uh, are, are they still doing elective surgeries? Dr. Silva? Uh, sorry, can you repeat the question again? Oh, sure. The freestanding outpatient surgical centers where you go in the morning. Well, a lot of them do cataract surgeries. You go in the morning, get that done, and you go home. They're not affiliated directly uh, with the hospital. Are they still offering uh, the kind of uh, surgeries that we're talking about, the elective surgeries, or are they cutting back as well? Yeah, uh, here in Osceola County, uh, Central Florida, they don't have any ho- on hold any any elective surgery. They are open um, um, because um, I was reading, and it's more like an economic impact in the hospital. On, on when when they put a hold 
those surgeries. Um, but right now, we are having more cases, and, and nothing has been done to postpone those elective surgery. So they, they continue doing um, surgeries, um, like elective surgery or same-day surgery, as as, uh, as as before, um, they are they are only asking for uh, COVID nineteen PCR test like three days before the surgery, and and they they move forward with the procedure. Mm-hmm. Come right back to you. If you've just joined us. You're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Marisa Charles, talking down in the great state of Florida uh, with two primary care physicians. Dr. Juan Rodriguez-Rodriguez and Dr. Alexis Silva-Vega. You hear us at 9.30 a.m., The Answer. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number, and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. This is a very interesting sidebar to what is happening with COVID-19, the norovirus that is sweeping across the country, talking to two PCP primary care physicians in Florida and here in San Antonio. You're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. And uh, the state of Florida and the state of Texas, unfortunately, are leading the nation in the number of diagnosed cases of coronavirus, as well as uh, those who uh, are now hospitalized. Huge numbers. I I don't know, and uh, the two of you down in Florida, uh, before you went to hospitalists who do the hospital care uh, for the patients you see, so you don't hang out in hospitals a lot, but you used to. Uh, Can you imagine a situation uh, where you literally make a life-and-death decision about who gets in and who doesn't. How do you deal mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, it's, it's a tough decision, right? I mean, uh, and again, this is Dr. Rodriguez Rodriguez. Uh, tough decision, but uh, I, we keep in touch with the hospital, uh, with the hospital. We have good relations with our team, and we, 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 we get the feedback many, many times from what's going on. I mean, tough decision. Uh, I think now... Uh, with this high number here in, in our county, uh, we, we, we will experience something that we didn't have the opportunity before when the hospital, uh, like New York, that they get completely, uh, the ITU full. We, I don't think we, Dr. Silva, you correct me, we, I don't think we had that experience before, but looking on this high amount of cases that we're living these days, I think we're gonna get there. Uh, so far we still have some bed open, but, we're getting there, and I think we're going to have a, an experience that we didn't have a chance to to to, to leave before uh, the beginning. 
No, I think you're right. We had a very similar case here. We um, did such a good job of shutting down when the pandemic first started that we didn't really see the high numbers and, and the high numbers volume of hospitalizations initially. But now, now the, the things are really changing and we've had such big spikes in the volume of patients that have been tested positive. And of course, not every single patient that tests positive for coronavirus needs to be hospitalized. But just having such a high number of people with it, the percentage goes up. And so we are seeing a, a significantly increased number of hospitalizations and deaths because of the coronavirus. And so well, when you look at the video of folks on the beach, thousands of people elbow to elbow, whether it's Florida or Texas has the same issue. You say to yourself, didn't they hear anything about how this virus is passed on? Did they not hear that? And I think that they did try, I, I don't know about 4th of July weekend in Florida, but I know here they did try to reduce the, the number of people on the beaches. But, um, you know, it, any holiday, people tend to want to get together. You right. see the families wanting to get together. And a lot of the cases that we're hearing about that turn up positive were in a group of people where nobody actually felt sick until a couple of days later. And that's the problem with this virus, that you can transmit the virus before you even feel ill or have any symptoms. Now, in medical school, did any of you have any classes dealing with pandemics? I'm sure we studied no. it, but I don't remember, you know, we, any anything specific like that. No. Only in the books. In the books, Only exactly. In the books. Infectious <laughs> disease classes, right. yeah. you know, and of course, yeah. I'm sure there's other um, docs who may be specialized in infectious disease that may have had more training um, and uh, epidemiology and, and knowing what to look for. But um, no, I mean. Yeah, that Dr. Fauci, the only one in America, right, who knows <laughs> everything about infections. Well, what other kinds of procedures uh, are, are on that list of, hey, you know, we can put this off? We talked about cataract surgery, and, and uh, which for someone who really has lost most of their vision is a tough decision to put off. Talked about joint uh, and, and knee, and I'm assuming hip replacement would be in the in the same category. Well, what else are we looking at? I guess all the things you do to people. Right. I mean, anything aesthetic, anything, um, you know, any kind of, you know, uh, plastic surgeries, uh, that kind of thing would definitely need to be postponed. Um, I don't know, Dr. Rodriguez Rodriguez, do you have any thoughts? No, well, in our population, the most common are the knee replacement. I mean, there's a, we see a gallbladder surgery, um, hernia. Hernia. Men, hernia is, uh, is common these days. I mean, uh, uh, that we see, especially in, again in our population. Uh, but I want to add on that that comment that, uh, for example, uh, we 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 do have a good relation with our uh, specialty team here in town. Uh, we we have been approached a uh, many of the one that we use just to help to help. Uh, uh, with, uh, from the patient side saying, hey, uh, this is the population, this is our patient that we're managing, uh, there's multiple comorbidities. And many times we're able to, to get kind of an agreement with the surgeons, say, hey, can you guys, uh, maybe help us, uh, to, to talk to the patient, right? Because many times the patient come with, with this picture on their mind that I need to have the surgery. And then, uh, having that is, having that back up from, from the surgeon helps a lot. Uh, to make that decision uh, from from the patient's uh, standpoint. I don't know, Dr. Flipa, you want to yeah, uh, add something about that, but that we've been uh, talking to our specialty surgery, surgery teams in town. There's an interesting flip side to that, Dr. Charles. 
been a lot of stories locally. When you eliminate a lot of these uh, uh, surgeries, elective surgeries, huge financial impact on the hospitals, on the medical practices, on the specialty practices. Uh, so uh, there have been hospitals here facing financial crisis because all those surgeries have gone away. You know, you build a hospital and you put in 20 uh, uh, surgical suites, whatever you call them, and a lot of those in Florida, what, you do, do about a million knees a day down there, right? How many knee surgeries? It's amazing. And then it's gone. Yeah. All gone for a period yeah. of time. So how do you deal with the financial side? Well, I think it's going to take years for us to recover from this, both, you know, from a, a financial standpoint and, of course, um, you know, regarding patient health and well-being. But... Um, it's just going to take a long time. Like, just like it's going to take a long time for us to recover financially as a country, um, and businesses to come back right. up, the same thing's going to happen. And it's not going to be until we have the virus under better control. I mean, we're praying for a vaccine at some point to, to come out to help reduce the volume of infections. But until that happens, it's going to continue this way. When you talk about the vaccine, which is the promise that everybody is, uh, uh, holding on to. Mm -hmm. uh, how long is the the lag time uh, between when you get a bunch of people vaccinated and they're protected? So the... the uh, yeah. What did you say? What was that, Dr. Rodriguez? Uh, I was reviewing some data and um, and we can... Um, the vaccine are in the trials um, like 45 days after the surgery they're getting immune but that's a lot of of pharmacy of pharmaceutical trying to do the you know like running uh, like one vaccine can take between eight to ten years to go to, in the market so they are trying to do a lot of effort to try to get this vaccine like on time but just one vaccine can take up to eight to ten years to to, to go to the market um but they are doing it at um like a big effort to try to get this um vaccine between twelve to fifteen months. So let's see how it works. But I, hate, I hate to be a naysayer, but we all know what happens when you try to really push and rush something. Uh something gets left out, some mistake is made, uh some challenge. We had that with the swine flu uh, when President Ford was in office and they uh, rushed the vaccine through and there was some kickback on that one. And there's always risk with any any vaccine, any procedure, um, you know, but of course, our our first mandate is to do no harm. And so um, the vaccine will have to be tested and, you know, a year to 15 months, that's that's probably the shortest amount of time um, that they may be able to get something. And I know there's many, many companies all over the world that are working very diligently to produce a vaccine, but it's going to take time. Sure. Uh, as you think about this, and back to the issue of a uh, pandemic, uh, in the state of Florida and uh, the state of Texas, uh, there are no state borders anymore. Airplanes go everywhere. People go everywhere. So once something gets hold, it's no surprise that it is uh, spread across this country so quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely yes. I mean, uh, uh, man, you you can fly from 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 here to to Europe and I mean uh, less than twelve hours. I mean, uh, it's just uh, it's, it's difficult to contain. Uh, we are banned right now yeah, from Europe. Yeah, it's difficult to to <laughs> to 
Yeah, they don't want us. Yeah, it's like um, if you do, if you wear your mask and hand washing, you can help a lot. But right now, although the countries are, you know, declining less cases, and we are, we keep right, uh, like increasing our numbers. So that means uh, uh, we are like we, we need to do more, uh, like protecting ourselves and protecting others, wearing a mask and hand washing. That's the only way until until we can get a better treatment uh, or uh, uh, a vaccine at least. we got about a minute left. What haven't we asked you that you want to throw into this conversation? Uh, Dr. Rodriguez, I just want to say, please, uh, uh, stay informed. Uh, uh, keep in touch with your primary care uh, provider. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, call, call your PCP. Uh, let's get that information. There's a lot of information uh, on the media. Many times they're not the right information, but just keep in touch with your primary care. Here in Willamette, we, 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 we try with that. We, we like to uh, get the, the touch with the patients, uh, be informed, uh, and that helps. And again, as Dr. Silva mentioned, uh, hand washing and uh, uh, social distancing is, is make a difference. I'm wearing a mask. Wear your mask. Wear your mask. I think we can all agree on that one. Wear your mask. That's yeah. a Harvard Business Review story someday. How in the world we went from no mass production of masks to instantly across this country in every style, shape, color you want. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you. we got to run. Appreciate you both coming on. For Dr. Marisa Charles, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us on WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.